Welcome to The Open Bell, a podcast for trumpet players, by trumpet players, and a cornet guy. I'm your host, Bill Stoman, and I'm joined by my good friends and fellow trumpet geeks, Joey Tartell and the omniscient omnibus, Brian Appleby Weinberg. This episode of The Open Bell is brought to you by the World Trumpet Federation. WTF, the World Trumpet Federation. Not force, not farce, maybe a fancy. The World Trumpet Federation exists to help you become a better teacher, player, and person. That's right, the WTF has been making a positive impact on the world for, well, I don't know, it's been a while. Home to blogs, articles, videos, and the thing, the WTF is your one-stop shopping headquarters for all things trumpet. So pay us a visit, take your time, like Brian trying to climb an overpass on his bike. Just head on over to worldtrumpetfederation.com and check us out. And by CCM, the University of Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music, where our friend Dr. Scott Belk has two graduate assistantships open next year, one for lead trumpet and one for jazz trumpet. You can find more information on Facebook or message Scott directly from there for details. And by the way, they also have openings for jazz trombone, jazz bass, and jazz piano. Keep in mind, these positions are full tuition plus stipend. The College Conservatory Music is part of the larger Comprehensive University of Cincinnati. Located in a vibrant urban center, CCM gains its unique character and defines its objectives to educate and inspire the whole artist and scholar for positions on the world stage. For more information, contact Dr. Scott Belk, Program Director for Jazz and Commercial Music. That's scott.belk at uc.edu. The Open Bell Podcast is comprised of three segments, warming up, couple things, and no offense. We use these segments to mull, manipulate, and master information that we believe is important to masses of trumpet monsters. Each week, Warming Up is brought to you by Chopsaver, that perfect all-natural lip treatment created by the one and only dynamic Dan Gosling. A lot of people don't know this, boys, but, you know, Dan is the brother of actor Ryan Gosling. <laughs> I, I, I don't think Dan knew that. <laughs> we well, had no I, idea. Yeah. I, I don't know that it's not true, so I thought I would just go ahead and put it out there. Well, it's on the internet now, which makes it true. I think we there can we agree go. on that. There we go. <laughs> yeah. There you have it. I knew Dan was a, you know, who's famous for a lot of reasons. Exactly. So listen, go on over to chopsaver.com and order yours today. Speaking of acting, like he actually wants to be here. Hey, Brian. Yeah, How are you tonight? I'm a terrible actor. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even pretending he He's wants to be interested. Yeah. Never pretends. Okay, so uh, this is cornet based, of course, but it's cornet about me. Shocking. Oh, wow. my. I wow. think. Another rhombusher change? I think it's possible. Well, I, <laughs> I think it's possible I might be back. Wow. My only, face, only, only, I think, three months after we already told you you were back? Well, no, because I the last two <laughs> weeks have been super dark in the Trump in, in my studio, like just super dark, like Belk level, Vanta dark. Belk. Oh, Vanta, Vanta Belk. Vanta Belk. Yeah. yeah. So um, it was really bad. I couldn't play anything. I got a, I got a packet of music for an orchestra I play with um, and I can't play a couple of the pieces. Um, and so uh, George Rabbi is playing third on the gig. And so we're going to split lead and the orchestra said, yeah, we'll just pay you both lead. It's totally fine. George is totally fine with it. Um, and uh, it's not hard stuff for most people, but in my development right now. And um, this morning, I can play all that. Oops, sorry, you're gonna have to bleep that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Two weeks in a row, I'm getting the beats in a row. I can, I can play all of it. Um, George is still gonna play it. Um, and so I'm curious. So I made a little adjustment to my face 
And that was, I made, I lifted the mouthpiece up a little bit higher. Yes, yes. And all of a sudden, I've got notes like easy, G's easy. I played a double B flat. Um, and I was in two hour rehearsal on Sunday. I, it was, it was easy to make it through the whole thing in a way that it's never been before. Wow. So nice. I feel like the embouchure change worked. I feel like this little adju final adjustment seems to have worked. Um, do you think the question is, do you think it's possible that if you just make a little tweak, it can make that much of a difference? Or do you think this is just the trajectory I've been on and, and this is just the natural progression? I think the answer is yes. <laughs> because yeah, that's, that's realistically, like, right? Like you, you've done a lot to build up the structure. Yeah. Right. So no, no little thing is going to be that much. I think it's all cumulative, but little changes can make a big difference. Little changes can make a big difference. Absolutely. As long as you're already good and getting better. Mm, right. You yeah. know, the idea of I'm struggling, I'm struggling, I'm struggling. And, oh, this is some kind of magic fix. That's not a thing. But you are a diligent and dutiful practicer. So I think there are a lot of things that are possible as we're not seeing you, you know, play every day. Um, the most a logical one that occurs to me is that you've been doing this change, doing this change and doing this change. And maybe either through a lot of playing or some overplaying had slipped down a little bit and went and oh, been, and, and yeah. been going because we've heard you over the past few months and it, you haven't been folding and you have been able to play. Yeah. So well, it's Bill possible. Heard me a few weeks ago live. Yeah. Right. So it's right. You, you played, what was that? Pandemic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and had your face was working and doing everything great. So it's possible through a lot of playing that it's possible mm -hmm. it had slipped down a little bit and you're going, wait a minute, I need to move this up here. And then <clears> all of the work that you've been doing all then clicks in, I think could be a very logical explanation for yeah. what's happened. Yeah. Cool. All right. So here's a second part of the question. Wait, Why? we already answered the question. Yeah, yeah, but here's the second part. I didn't know there was a second part. We're no, moving on. Second now. part now. I, well, you made you made me think. So the my oh, question is, dangerous. why when we practice diligently, and I've been super focused when I practice because I'm being very careful and I'm trying to get better um, every single day. Why do bad habits slip in seemingly so easily? Oh, that's easy. Yeah, We're okay. human. Yeah, that's the default, right? The default always wins. No, but we're human, which means uh, a couple of things. Standard trumpet pedagogy, which we've all heard a billion times, is, oh, don't think, just play. So as we get focused on the musical parts and doing all that kind of stuff, we can let other let the physical parts go. Mm -hmm. So if you're going, okay, I've gotten, so if you've gotten to a point of, okay, I've learned what my new face is, now I'm just going to go play. Then the minute you do that, the easiest thing to go is the last thing you learned. Uh -huh, yeah, and the yeah. last thing you learned is a physical adjustment. So guess what? It can start to readjust on its own because now you're not focusing on that. That I is like a it. possibility. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying mm -hmm. that's absolute, but that's certainly an easy thing to see how it works. Yeah. Well, I was sort of in that place in the progression. I was really trying to stop thinking about it and trying to concentrate more just on the music and the line and mm -hmm. playing the <laughs> style. And so, yeah, that I love it when people prove me right. Yeah, that's fascinating. Well, okay. Yeah, your head was in the right place. I, I will say this, that I thought you sounded so good when I heard you a couple of weeks ago at the concert that the trumpet player in me wanted to suggest that you went back to your old embouchure. <laughs> that's what I was thinking you should do.
It's like, man, he, I think he's starting to figure this out. We need to fix this. We need to yeah. fix it. He needs to go back. You need to move that down a bit. You know what? Move it down. You know, <laughs> take two weeks off. And when you come back, just move it over and down a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Exactly. Down and off All to right. the right. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. I, you know, the Amisha change thing reminds me, a few years ago, I had a student come in and we had to do this. We had to do the readjustment thing, right? Yeah, so, sure. And I could tell that some of the other folks in the studio were kind of looking a little bit sideways you know, in rehearsal and ensemble rehearsal, because this this poor dude is struggling, right? <laughs> yes. And and I said, all right, okay, good. Hey, uh, everyone, I want you to put your horn on your face. Great. Now, move it over about a quarter of an inch. Now move it up. And here we go. We're at letter A. And we started. And, of course, it sounded terrible. And it was, I go, okay, this is what he's doing every day, okay? Right. Right. So before you start giving anyone the side eye, I would just want you to understand what's happening here. <laughs> Totally, you know, but man, yeah, what you've been through is incredible, and it's I'm it's cool that it's paying off. Send us a recording. All right, I hear we'll these do. new notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Joey. What it's do you have been for us? Fascinating. Okay, I have something completely not trumpet or cornet or related. Cornet related. Thank oh. you. Last week, while we were recording, I got a phone call from our good friend, Doctor Jason Sullivan. Uh, mm-hmm. We've yes. talked about Jason on the on the. Uh, on the uh, podcast before friend of the show he's the trauma teacher at troy university down in alabama he's great guy great teacher very smart guy so he left me a message i thought in jest saying call me when you get a chance i've got a farther further question to run past you so (laughs) i thought that part was funny as obviously i know that he knows the difference yes he does very smart we were were catching up and we were chatting and he says okay so listen uh, to my question i said oh you're serious he says absolutely (laughs) When thinking in the fourth dimension of time, and I just started laughing, <laughs> have you given any thought to whether, you know, four minutes from now is farther into the time or further? Have, have you given that? I said, I'm, I'm glad you asked because I've given <laughs> this quite a bit of thought. Actually. At which point he says, I'm sure you have. <laughs> of course he did. So I thought we should clarify because, you know, I think most people uh, like to, I think they have an easy time thinking in, in two dimensions. And if you watch Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, which everyone should, it's the best of the Star Trek movies. <laughs> How they end up getting Khan, played by Ricardo Montalban, is they actually are, when they're, uh, when they're fighting near the end of the movie, what do they do? They think in three dimensions. And that's how they get and they go above rather than thinking just length and width and we're always facing together they think height right. yes so not height by the way um, you're welcome exactly <laughs> so already we're th- we got to make sure we're thinking in three dimensions but actually we should be thinking in four dimensions as time is does exist now most of us at least that, that i know of consider and and really do experience and think of time linearly sure. we're thinking we are moving forward through time and we can remember backward in time so I do think it's farther when when talking about time. Right. Do you guys yeah. have thoughts on this? I don't usually think in the fourth dimension. Yeah. But right. you do. You consider what time it is <laughs> and when do. you have to be places. We exist in time. Yes. As we well do. as in space. Wow. <laughs> it's not really a trombone thought, right? Jason doesn't isn't a trombone thinker. It's right? not all about oh, the trombone I, with Jason. <laughs> I think with Jason it is though. I mean I think the reason this comes up man. is because he's sitting there looking at like, man, my slide is going further today than it ever has. That's he's never had that thought, right? <laughs> it has gone farther. It slides you... out further today than no, you know, no. <laughs> You're in for a long night if that's irritating you. <laughs> I'm going to go with farther. I'll go with yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So we're in agreement of it as linear. Yeah. Yeah. It's linear. linear. All right, Jason, we're all in agreement. And I I appreciate that. That's a, it's a good clarifying question, Bill. what do you got for us this evening? Uh, So this hasn't happened in quite a while, but I I had an instance today where um, had a student come in and we've been working on some things and it's been really kind of developing. But then over the last week or so, I kind of noticed now we're backsliding. I can't, this Mm. is, this is going in a really weird direction. And uh, we had a rehearsal last night and I just, I really did not like what I heard coming out the bell and, so came in today and he starts to play in his lesson and it is awful. Like, it's terrible. <laughs> That's always oh my fun. gosh. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Give me your horn. Now this is, you know, can't yeah. do this stuff with the pandemic stuff. But I'm like, I'm at this point, I'm so frustrated. I'm willing to take to a chance. See yeah. what's Give me your horn. With that thing. Give me your horn. Mouthpiece in. Horn's fine. Uh-oh. Plays fine. Mouthpiece? I said, hang on a second. Give me your mouse, mouthpiece. Mouse, mouthpiece. I looked at the mouthpiece. Could you see I, through it? That's the thing. I swear, I, for a second there was no light, and then I realized it looked like <laughs> it, it looked like Joey's uh, your number thirty back bore uh, yeah. thing that you play, right? But I there was just a speck of light, and I just I reached in the in the you know the bag I keep in my case. I pulled out the brush and I handed him the mouthpiece and the brush. I said, "Don't come back until this is clean. Like go to the restroom right now and clean this. What what's the matter?" And I was like, "Look." You sh- here's mine here's yours <laughs> he comes back puts it in oh <laughs> and the, everything is and fine the angel, and the angel sing. and the angel and his eyes got really big and he looked at me and he's like no way i'm like yeah dude you would like cheeseburgers in there there was stuff growing nice unbelievable I has not this. happened in a really long time i love this so the That's moral beautiful. of the story is come on clean your mouthpiece <laughs> Just every once in a while, just check it. Yeah, just check it out. Make sure there's light coming through it. I will tell you this. Some my first football game in marching band in my freshman year of high school. Oh, did you take a core sample? So, no, I, we have to do an inspection, which I did not know, right? Oh. So we get oh. in our uniforms before we get on the bus to, to go over to the stadium because, you know, we had a stadium for the whole district. So we line up outside the band room. And the drum major comes with the with the band director and kind of walks through and looks at everybody, makes sure their uniform's good. He stops in front of me, looks at me, yanks my mouthpiece out of my horn, <laughs> looks up, and says exactly this: "Sewer pipe." Hands it back to me, puts it down, and walks off. And all I thought was, "What just happened?" <laughs> you know? So uh, I looked at it, went, "Oh." I think you're supposed, it's supposed to be like a circle like you could see all the way through yeah it wasn't <laughs> wow. wow yeah it was bad i've always i've i've, I've been bad about keeping my stuff clean but yeah yeah you do I mean, have to i have had this a couple of times where i'm like hey i feel fine oh well this guy Hold you on. know like he's a great yeah. player and he's he's getting better and getting better and then all of a sudden it takes his turn for the worst and like in the past two days i'm like hang on a second sure enough yeah that's amazing. It was ugly. So a brush, and Joey, you use a brush as well? Yeah, just take a mouthpiece brush, run yeah, some warm, warm water. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Then you're good. Get it out of there. Yeah. That's awesome. Went from uh, 26th throat, you know, back to the 26th throat, the 99 throat that it was. <laughs> the little pinhole. It was just... a pinhole of light. <laughs> That's yeah. Right. I felt, so I looked, at, looked down the mouthpiece and got claustrophobic. Yeah. <laughs> it was that bad. Awesome. All right. Well, listen, boys, I'm excited because it's time for a new game. Uh-oh. Are you ready? Game. All right. This game is called You Complete Me.
Now, this is it's the like opposites. That, it's like the simple game of You Complete Me that you played Wait, when you were kids. Hold on. <laughs> Back up. <laughs> Here's the way it works. Just as a reminder. I pick a topic, and I ask a series of questions where there are worth random amounts of hypothetical points that are subject to change without notice in order for me to steer the outcome of the game. Are we clear so far? This sounds oh, yeah. vaguely yeah, familiar. I, it's vaguely familiar. I, I, I it's understand like that part. All the other games we play. <laughs> Today, we're going to be playing the Pick Your Poison edition of You Complete Me. And I have rules, Joey, because I knew you'd want a rule. Of course. I, I do want rules. All right, first of all, get your buzzers ready, and Joey, get your horn. <laughs> Here are the rules. <laughs> all questions will be asked in the form of a question. All answers will be preceded by the line, you complete me. <laughs> all answers will be followed by the statement, that's my final answer. No, that's not it. <laughs> that's not it. <laughs> There it is. There it is. Brian, do you have your buzzer? I'm, I'm looking for it. I do have it. I send you stuff? I think he's going to be so happy. That should be Brian's new buzzer. Okay. Hold on a sec. So you're going to ask not a done question with the rules. in the form of a question. Right. And we're going to answer with the, you the complete statement. Me, you complete me. And then your boom. answer. And then that's my final answer. Okay? Okay. Then there will be no hints. Points will be awarded by the host, that's me. And all decisions of the host are final, that's me. And the host <laughs> is always right, that's me. I have a lot of a lot of objections to the rules. Right, I know. So <laughs> this is the way it works. This is the pick your poison edition, which means these are all pickle-related questions. And you have to complete, the, what the answers I'm looking for is, I'm going to give you the name of an artist, right? And then you're going to tell me what piccolo trumpet they played, Oh, no. And what mouthpiece they play on. What? Oh, my God. That's the way it works. I, I don't know what mouthpiece anybody plays it's gonna on. It's going to be awesome. You guys are going to be guessing, and you're not going to believe some of the stuff I found. You're yeah. just making it. And we won't know if you're right. No, I can prove it, because I know you're upset about the Naxos list from last well, time. Yeah, because you lied, and one of I them was lie. incorrect. I didn't lie. I, I looked it up after I the fact. adjusted it to make more sense for the game. That's not what the list said. <laughs> <laughs> how, but how would you know? You guys, I looked even, it up after the right fact. At, well, yeah, but you didn't get it right at the time. Like you were no, even but close. you didn't either. <laughs> you were giving us the wrong answers at the time. It was impossible to give. You're the gonna correct love answer. this. I, I, I can. I'm prove, already angry. I could. I know. This is the whole point. <laughs> so this is the, this is gonna be great because I can prove all this information because I have it's in a book. Okay. And I'll send. I'll send you the. I'll send you the stuff. All right. So. <laughs> Are you ready? Oh, yeah, we're ready. Ready. On what piccolo trumpet and mouthpiece does Alan Dean perform? (laughs) Did Alan Dean perform? I have no idea. Well, you're about to learn some stuff then. Yeah. Brian, was that a buzzer? What What the heck was that? I found the buzzer. That's what you sent me. No, that is in no way what I sent you. That's not what you sent me? No, that was close. Way too much tone in that. Joey didn't send you that. No, I heard before. (laughs) That wasn't the whole thing. There's the whole thing. Oh, there it is. It doesn't finish. Okay, we're losing the bottom. That is it. Okay, I'll make you a better one. All right, Brian, Alan Dean. Alan Dean. That's a shirt, sir, with a Breslamar 4. No, not even close. (laughs) All right, hold on. If if we're just guessing. Of course you're guessing. First of all, you didn't answer right because you didn't say, you complete me, and that's my final answer. Yeah. You complete me. 
Yamaha piccolo trumpet with a Yamaha 11 AX mouthpiece. That's my final answer. No. <laughs> You're both shot. wrong. That's a great shot. It's a great shot. Alan Dean played a Shilky P54. I don't think so. With a box 7E with a 25 throat. He did not. He did. He answered the question himself. Wow. Well, who are you going to believe, him or us? Uh, <laughs> I never really met him, so I'm going to believe him. Oh, you, I like Alan. He's a great guy. <laughs> yeah. He taught at IU. He taught here. Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Shilky P54 with a box 7E. That's so traditional. Why would 7E you with a 25 throat. Yeah, but that's the cornet shank 7E, so it's a little tighter mm. than the trumpet shank. Right. Because yeah. it's a, the Shilky. All right. There you go. All right. Question number two. Oh, yeah. On what piccolo trumpet and mouthpiece did Bud Herseth play? <laughs> wow. Come on, some of this you can put together. Um, let's go with hold on. Oh, oh Brian. Oh, Brian beat me in there. He played a Selmer with a box seven. Okay, first of all, the rules are you have to say right. sorry. You sorry, I have my notes here. You complete me. Your notes? <laughs> what do you mean notes? <laughs> what notes do you have? Taking, I have to take no, notes on all the rules. <laughs> <laughs> you complete me. A, a Selmer p- Piccolo with a box seven C. Uh, that's my final answer. Yeah, Joey, would you like to take a run at this? Sure. Uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, you complete me a Bach piccolo trumpet <laughs> with a a Bach five E mouthpiece. That's my final answer. Wow, you guys aren't even close. <laughs> uh, Bud Herseth played a Shilky P54 with a Bach seven DW. Here's the thing: there's no way he played a Shilky P54 for his whole career because they didn't exist when they he started. They weren't even around. That's he answered the question in this when? interview. He answered the question in this interview. What interview? The interview that David Hickman did with all of these people when he put his book together. <laughs> oh, no. And you're welcome. Oh, Where's my wow. book? Where's nope. my book? Nope. <laughs> it's in the office. I can you're see both of you. I can see I'm both in my of office. Okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. now I'm angry. How about that? I mean, he was in Chicago. You got to take a, you know. Just, well, Ren played the shilky. section. Of yeah. course, yeah. Oh, man. Wow. All right. We're doing are well. You, are you ready? This is the third one. How many yeah. points all do right. we have? I've got 100. Uh, you have none. Yeah. Zero points. Okay. I awarded myself 100 points. <laughs> on, what piccolo, week in a row. <laughs> on what piccolo trumpet and mouthpiece did Ray Mace play? Oh, Joey's in. I'm all, oh, I'm all over this. You complete me, <laughs> the Shilky P54, <laughs> with a Shilky 11 AX mouthpiece. That's my final answer. Why are you keep going with the AX mouthpiece? I don't know. I yeah, like it. Because you're guessing anyway. I'm just making stuff up. <laughs> Brian, would you like to take a run at this? <laughs> Wait, you're, that's got to be right. Well, the, it's half right. Yes. The Shilky P54 is right. The mouthpiece That's right. You, you complete me. Close. The Shilky P54 with a right. 7, 7E. That's my final answer. Yeah, no, you're both wrong. So Ray Mace played the Shilky P54 with a Bach 10.5C or 10.5EW. With Ew. a 117 throw. He played the U. He played the U. All right, so I've got some points now. I got half of that right. You yeah, you got half of that right. You got half a point. I'm I'm winning. You're at point .5. <laughs> half a point for that. Right. Stingy All right. judge. Cool. Yeah. On what piccolo trumpet and mouthpiece combination did Phil Smith perform? Oh, Joey. I'm going to go, uh, you complete me with a shilky P54. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, a Bach 3E mouthpiece. That's my final answer. It would seem like a good guess. It's a great guess. It's I a great get guess. for that being a great well, guess. Well, you're going to get half a point for the Shilky P54. So, Brian, what do you got? I'm at one whole point. You're one I'm whole point. crushing Brian right now. <laughs> you, you complete me. Uh, yeah, the, um, the Shilky P54 with a 5E. That's what he just said. I just said you that. You said 5E? <laughs> yes, yeah. I did. Oh. He's not even that. paying attention. He's not, I'm not paying attention. I, not, well, I don't, pay attention. I don't pay attention to you. I wrote that down as he was explaining He's on question. his phone again. <laughs> um, it's a Shilky P54 with a box 7E. Oh, man. Oh, it's close. That was really yeah, close. Really close. But That's pretty good. Doesn't he lose points now for taking my answer? And like, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I wrote it down so you have a point, and Brian is negative 0.5. Oh, I'm in Killing trouble. Him. Killing him. You're never going to dig out of this, Brian. All right. Going down, Brian. Next question. On what, on what piccolo trumpet and mouthpiece combination does Hoken Hardenberger play? Joey. You complete me with the Shilky P54. <laughs> <laughs> and Hokan. Let's see. Hokan's playing. I think he's playing a Bach 7EW mouthpiece. I'm sorry. You're not, not right on either one. Oh no! And you're really going to kick yourself on this one, Brian. Um, you complete me. He's playing a Scherzer with a um, an eleven a, a Shoki eleven AX. Wow! Now you're taking his mouthpieces. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm playing his mouthpiece. It's a good, it's a good pick mouthpiece. Just so you know. Yeah, well done. I have some PDS for you. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's a Scherzer. But Ooh. he's playing a custom Points. Toshi Kamiyama C trumpet mouthpiece. Now, here's the great thing about this. When later in the interview, he was asked, what mouthpiece, regular mouthpiece does he play in his B flat or C trumpet on the larger horns? His answer was C above. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So he plays the same mouthpiece. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good everything. for him. Yeah. That's the way I learned. I started, I learned the piccolo on a one and a half C. That's what I, I did for quite a while. I learned the piccolo. I made, um, Mel Broyles laugh and my Juilliard audition when I was 17. <laughs> I played through my whole college audition. The beginning, I played the Brandenburg, and then I was playing through some extras and solo stuff. And at the end, uh, Mr. Vacchiano says, uh, so young man, um, what mouthpiece were you playing the Bach on at the beginning? Right. And I held up my B-flat trumpet and went, um, my 3C, <laughs> which is the only mouthpiece I had in right, the room. Right. And yeah, Mel Broyles just started laughing out loud. <laughs> you go, this, this is my mouthpiece. This yeah, one. My mouthpiece. <laughs> this is my mouthpiece. Okay. And our last one. Here we go. On what piccolo trumpet and mouthpiece combination did Fred Mills play? Joey. Hold on. At what point was this? What year was this interview taken? I don't know. I'd have to, like, look. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to change screens. I'm not doing that. Because they did have that Canadian brass line of instruments for a while. Mm. Yeah. I think, Fred, you complete me with a Yamaha piccolo <laughs> trumpet and a Yamaha 14A4 mouthpiece. <sighs> Final answer. That's your final answer, and sure. you're wrong on both of those. Of course, I am. <laughs> but Brian, okay. Well, that's just the end of the buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there we bad. Go. Um, you complete me. This is the worst a, game we've ever played. A Selmer, yeah. a Selmer Piccolo, and um, 
a Bach 7E. Mm, no, sorry. And you didn't answer the question correctly anyway. Oh, yeah, that's You guys are sorry. bad at you complete me. Yeah. I got a point. Uh, it's terrible. All right. Uh, Fred played a Shilky P54 <laughs> with a Reeves custom mouthpiece that was similar to a 3V with a 26th throat. A 3V oh. cup. Wow. With a 26th throat. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. A lot of Shilky P54s, though. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just a few. Is crazy. And well, that tells you uh, probably when the interviews are taken as well. Of course. Yeah. 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 Um, but a lot of seven diameter mouthpieces, huh? Interesting. Yeah. But but no seven C's. No seven C's because that would <laughs> Never. be right out. Right. And I'm out. <laughs> and I'm out. Oh, wow. I can t- I can tell you guys are going to want to play that game again. That was really great. Yeah, let's rush back into that one. <laughs> it was awesome because you all had to say you complete me. No votes m- for that. Many times. <laughs> I don't know. I think it could be a fan favorite. All right, boys, time for a couple of things. There's a wonderful old adage that states a picture is worth a thousand words. Transposed, no offense, Scott, for our purposes here, there's no better way to develop a beautiful sound and refined musicianship than listening. Developing the art of listening to the musician is the fastest way to achieve growth in all aspects of performance. So this episode of The Open Bell is devoted to learning how to listen and why it is so important. We've been wanting to talk about this for quite a while, guys, right? The art of listening, informing the the horn in your hand by informing the horn in your head. And we're off. I think you mean that the other way around. Yeah, informing the horn in your hand by... Yeah, no. (laughs) I, no, you, I you said it. No, you said it back. Did I say it the other way? Yeah, you did. Oh, you could just edit that like you did those double C's. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about listening, why it's important, and how we do it. All right, let me dive in here. I've yeah. wondered. I've often wondered and had a theory of why beginning trumpet players sound like beginning trumpet players. Now, a lot of that comes through inexperience and just development. But I think a lot of it also comes because mostly what they're hearing are other beginning trumpet players. So sound can often be a, take a long time to develop. And I got to test this theory several years ago when I got a phone call. I was living in Lafayette from uh, the mother of this young student who said, my, my son's been playing on my husband's cornet and he really wants to take some lessons. And he's at a private school that doesn't have any band and, or any mm-hmm. music in there. So would you teach him trumpet lessons? He's eight. Yeah. And I said, that's a little young. Well, Not he'd like cornet. to be with you. So he comes in with his corn- with his with his father's cornet. His feet literally are yeah. swinging, <laughs> right. just sitting right. there in the chair, and and he can play a little bit. And he seems like he's pretty together. Yeah, his first name was Joey. I had a soft spot, you know. So uh-huh. I said, "Oh, these will be music lessons. He's going to have to learn how to read and do all this kind of, and do everything this way as well." He never had that beginning trumpet sound, and not oh. just because he was on cornet. I think because he also was never hearing it. Right. Oh, yeah, sure. So you right. talk about the importance of listening. That is just even even at a subconscious level, it, you know, you're going, of course. To, you're going to recreate what you hear. Well, that's, you know, when I, when I left North Texas, Keith said, promise me you're going to continue to listen to the recordings of great trumpet players. And I said, absolutely. Yeah. I'll do that. Why, why did you single out that one thing? And he said, because if you don't, you're going to start to sound like your students. <laughs> right, because that's what you hear. Because that's what you hear. That's what you. Whatever you're surrounded by is what's going to inform you. Yeah, 
So how do we I was at yeah. a uh, I was at a brass quintet um, show at a school, and uh, we were talking to teachers, and um, the tuba player got up and he there were students in the room, young students, like elementary school age students, um, early junior high school, and his point to the teachers was um, students don't often know what they're aiming for, and so he said I need to have a volunteer um, to draw something on the board. And so this, you know, seventh grade girl says, I'll, I'll draw on the board. And he gives her a pen. And uh, he said, I would like you to go over there. And I would, on the board, I'd like you to draw a gang flarbin. And she takes two steps over and she stops. And he says, go ahead, just over to the board, just draw a gang flarbin. Mm -hmm. And uh, she takes a couple more steps. She turns around to him, just looks at him. He goes, you have that is right. <laughs> and he says to the teachers, you tell your students to play a trumpet. <laughs> And right. aim for a sound. They have no idea what you're talking no about. No idea what it is, right? Got to so give them no, some. Yeah, give them some no chance to, to create it. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was great. Sure. Yeah, you know, th this is the thing we've talked about too. Like, think about how limited our vocabulary is, right? This is why we're talking about this tonight, right? Because we try to assign words to sounds, um, mm -hmm. to what's dark or it's bright or it's brilliant or whatever. But ultimately, we need to hear it. That's right. the information we need. Right. Yeah, this is a little bit of the mystery of uh, the Food Network to me, is that, and I watch it. <laughs> I watch cooking shows and I watch the little competition shows, and but we're believing that it tastes really good. That's right. the idea. Yeah, we don't know. No, and the, no you talk idea. about limited vocabulary. You know, you, you notice though they do not say, "Oh, this is delicious." They don't. They avoid those words because it's just too much. You hear it. That's that's cliche at this point. So they go out of their way to use other descriptors. Right. Sure. Yeah, I saw one of those cooking shows on during the pandemic where they were actually assigning a winner based on what they were. It was a Zoom cooking thing. And they're like, oh, no, this this recipe totally won. I'm like, how do you know that? <laughs> the only person they're eating it is the person that cooked it. Yeah. Right. But Crazy. I watch these all the time. Right. But yeah. now we're back to, you know, you cook it till it's done. <laughs> exactly. There it is, right? And if, you, and if you do that, then it's going to taste good. Yeah, that's right. So I'm wondering, we could talk a little bit about, well, I think we're all guilty of this because we want our students to listen. And so sometimes we'll even go as far as to share a link with them, right? Yeah, sure. And say, hey, here it is. Here are some recordings of this. Here are my three or four favorite recordings of this piece. Or I'd like you to find your favorite recording of the piece, and then we can talk about why that's your favorite. But in some ways, to me, it's, it's sort of like assuming that they know how to practice when they get to school. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Here's the list of stuff I want you to do, but they don't really know how to practice. And I think along with that, they don't really know how to listen. So I think it's our responsibility to, to do some of that with them and talk about how to do what I call detailed listening, right? Or intentional listening. Absolutely. You know, you have this, here's the recording. I want you to notice these things, or these are the things that we're searching for. And I just wonder how much you guys do that. Um, when you, you know, when you assign a recording, is that part of the process for you? Yes. And, um, how they do it and in what circumstances. So listening on your phone is mm -hmm. mostly not okay. Right. Listening with headphones, exponentially better. Um, listening on a really good system in your library or listening to an actual CD, right? So on MP3s, they cut down a lot of the, um, depth of the sound, um, so it eliminates the scratching, but, um, of, of LPs, but it actually lowers the bandwidth. So, mm. um, listening to CD is more beneficial if you're going for the sound or the sound of a trumpet player in an orchestra. Um, and so 
I also find for my students, listening with the score, uh, listening with their part, conducting along, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of information you can. No, it's oh, good. Sorry. It's a great idea. I love this idea. <laughs> wow. Sure. I call for a vote, but I, I, I see that this is stacked against me. I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah, think you, you want to take any more votes tonight. I, I don't get outvoted. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, my students will just sort of passively listen while they're doing laundry or they're making a meal or they're eating a burger or something. And that's just not helpful to the process. Um, And I think they also underestimate how much they have to listen, Mm. like how often they have to listen to the piece. Um, I think I tell a story of um, a student, we'll just call him Tyler, um, who (laughs) really wanted to, um, he wanted to play the opening uh, C trumpet part to toot suite, mm. right? With the repeat and the whole bit. And uh, he really wanted to play it. It spoke to him. He really wanted to play that. So he got guys together and he played it. And I heard him practicing for two months. Um, every time I, I saw him in a rehearsal, uh, he was always practicing that part. Stop playing. <laughs> Those are not long notes. <laughs> Those are short notes. Okay. Next day, here, da, 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 da. And we, we did this dance for two months. And uh, he came to his dress rehearsal. And the guys came out on, or his, sorry, his jury three weeks before the show. And uh, guys come out on stage. And uh, the last time I'd heard him play that was maybe four days before. And he comes on stage and uh, starts to play. It's like, drop my pen, like, look at George. George is like, what's going on? Right. (laughs) And um, then he like absolutely nailed his recital. It was, it was amazing what he did. Um, And I just asked him, I said, what, what did you do? Because it wasn't anything I said. And he said, well, um, you said the same thing to me every day for two months. And so I started listening and I listened to that piece probably eight times a day, Mm. every day. And I got to the, the jury and i just could not play it wrong because i couldn't hear it any other way right yeah the power of of what's going on in your brain what's going into your ears i think that's really important but yeah i I do have this discussion i I probably don't i don't spend as much time in lessons doing this we are usually playing but uh this is maybe i should incorporate this more but we do talk about how to listen which means that's the only thing you're doing Mm. right Right. At that time. Yeah. You better right. believe it. Yeah. yeah other, otherwise then, you know, listening and going, Oh yeah, it sounds cool. Whatever. And you know, you're talking, you're texting, whatever you're doing. No, that's not listening. Like if you're, if you're driving and you know, the radio's on in the car and you're talking, you're not listening. Hmm. And for Bill, yeah. when he was growing up to listen, had to, you had to be in the hall when it was exactly. yes. for See, us, you had to be in the library to hear cause we didn't have the internet. Right. So those... you actually had to carve out time to go sit in the library with your score and listen over and over. I remember listening to Ray Mace's Quiet City over and over again and, you know, backing up on the CD in this qu- one section where I had trouble making the lip slur in rehearsal. And I, how, how does he do that? What's that sound like? Where's the crescendo he's doing? Um, yeah, fascinating if you listen that detailed. Oh, yeah. My parents had, uh, among other things, some old Glenn Miller records in the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So these are things I'm like, you know, once I started playing, oh, there's trumpets on that. I should check that out. So I'd listen and listen and listen. I'll tell you what, when I went out on the Miller band and they, you know, my very first night, there's no rehearsal. You know, right. the, the first chart I ever played was Tuxedo Junction. 
So we get out there, we just line up on the bandstand, we set everything up, and they're like, all right, boom. And I've got one of the first little solo things go back and forth. Not technically challenging, not musically challenging, but is supposed to be the right way. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, yeah, sounds like you That's know, the the, you got a certain vibrato that goes with that style, that goes with this kind of thing. I'm like, yeah, that I couldn't think of I, what you just said. It made this it spark in my head. That's the way that it goes. <laughs> I couldn't right. play it any other way because I'd heard it so many times. Yeah, that's just the way it went. Right. Yeah. 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 So this this is the uh, you know I love that goat rodeo stuff with Chris Thiele and all that. You know the greatest pop performer of all time. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. According yeah. to Paige. According to Paige. <laughs> you know. Wow. I need to meet her. Paige. <laughs> She's awesome. World's second greatest bumper up. Oh, there it and, is. Um, <laughs> But one of the things on this, if you go back to this goat rodeo thing and watch the little documentary kind of films they shot along the way, bass player Edgar Meyer says, everyone's trying to internalize the music. There's just different ways in. Mm -hmm. And I think too many times we try to talk this stuff into students oh, yeah. sure. rather than just say, no, here's the model. You know, picture's worth a thousand words as it, as it goes. And but But I want to get into then, you know, what are the things that we want them to listen for, right? So you or give listen someone, to even. Yeah, listen to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like, so here are some really good examples of this. And I, I find myself, and a lot of times, of course, yeah, here's a great trumpet player playing this piece, but I think there's outside sources as well. There's vocalists, there's violinists, there's other stuff that can really inform musicianship. And I think open their minds to the fact that great music is great music. Sure. Do you want to share some? Uh, I mean, I've got stuff for sure. Before we do that, like, I mean, just kind of name the things. I think it's good if you're going to tell someone to listen to something, um, you know, what, give them the list. We've talked before about the tone, tune, technique, and time, right? We've talked about getting into the details of that and maybe listening for a specific tone color or listen to someone's lyricism or connectivity because different players do things differently, do things really well. And I think it's, I just want to, I guess, encourage teachers to say, really create some targets, some listening targets for them as when you give them the link to check the thing out or listen to it together and say, do you hear this? Do you notice that? And spend some time doing a primer on listening. I think it's important. Absolutely. Yeah, that, you don't want to just, just doing it randomly, right? It's right. Gotta be, yeah, like you said, intentional. You want to have them listening for specific things. Um, I also like um, having students play along and comparing what they're doing with what they're hearing. Um, are you playing notes that are longer or shorter than what you're hearing coming out of the speakers or out of your headphones? Um, are you playing uh, an accent where you don't hear one coming back at you? Um, that kind of matching uh, can help pitch, pitch center as well. Um, I just, I, th I think that experience, I don't know, have I ever talked about the, my Mahler one experience when I was summer after freshman year of mm. of college um we had to play Mahler one uh for fall auditions and so i got the chicago symphony recording uh, i think it might be a bado conducting so you played it just like bud well <laughs> absolutely <laughs> that's, that's inside baseball isn't it, um, it is. well i was so we we're playing along that that spot um uh it's a flats i think uh in the part and um and I'm playing, I'm in my room, my parents are at work and I have my two big speakers in the end of my room and it's, you know, turned up to 11, whatever, because it's Mahler. 
um, and I'm playing, yep, but da da but da da but da da but da da. And what's coming back at me uh, from the speakers is da but da da but da da but da da. I'm like, that is about 8,000 times longer than I'm playing the quarter notes. And uh, so I looked at the part and I noticed, oh, there are tenudos marked underneath each quarter note. Mm-hmm. All right. So I should probably play that long there. In just little things that you notice um, if you're acoustically aware of what you're doing and what you're hearing and if you're looking i think how to how do players make sense of what's written Mm -hmm. um watching the bach cello suites go by oh man is you know an education you have to listen to a bunch of them a bunch of different interpretations but that's a fascinating education so we did talk about bringing some excerpts tonight i'm wondering did you guys bring all trumpet stuff or are we varied here because we don't I what did not got? bring all trumpet stuff. Okay, I didn't either. Joey? I brought all trumpet stuff. <laughs> yeah, of course you did. <laughs> of course I did. But the trumpet geek. They're, yeah, they're, I brought some trumpet stuff. They're very, very different. Okay. <laughs> did you bring solo stuff or ensemble stuff? Two solo things, one ensemble things. I brought a, uh, I brought a classical soloist, I brought a jazz soloist, and I brought a big band thing. Wow. Then I want you to notice the lead trumpet player. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, Brian, what did cool. you what did you bring? Um, I brought uh, an ensemble thing, a compare and contrast ensemble thing. I brought um, a Mozart string quintet, um, and I brought brought well, I, I couldn't decide actually. And I brought a vocal thing um, mm-hmm. for time. Amazingly enough, for time. Um, and then the last thing is just a comparison. Um, um, why I think it's sometimes dangerous to get your musical ideas from trumpet players. Mm. Um, it's a comparison of opening of Artunian. Wow, interesting. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, I brought a violinist, a singer, and uh, a wind symphony, a little bit of a wind symphony recording. Is that one that you conducted? It is not. It is not. This is one of my nice. favorite recordings. Yeah. I'm All looking right. forward to that. I think we should, we could share a couple of these and talk about what yeah, we're listening go. for, right? Yeah. Right. Who wants to go? Well, we, we have an established order. We have an order, established right? order. Brian, you're up. Okay. So, um, so I'll start with... So, um, so this is the, um, the first, like, I don't know, 45 seconds of, uh, Giovanni Gabrielli Canzone Noni Tony, uh, eight. Um, and it's two it's different easy recordings. For you to say. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the recordings are the one we all were floored by with the Philadelphia, Cleveland and Chicago mm. brass sections. Sure. Got together on the weekend and just laid down this unbelievable. Flew in. Yeah. Recorded and flew out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just spectacular. Yeah. Um, but I also have a recording on uh, of the same piece on period instruments. Um, and so I thought it'd be an interesting contrast to know sort of what the lineage is. And I think I have the timings right for these. So I just want what I'm interested in um, as students listen is um, how they go from note to note, how they deal with dynamics, um, how they deal with um, articulation, style, tempo. Uh, and so I'll just play these for you. So this is the um, period instruments, English cornet and sackbut ensemble.
Okay. Mm-hmm. And then here's modern instruments, um, this incredible performance. Um, and I think I noticed one of the, besides the sound, and um, I noticed a, a more drastic tempo change in the period instruments. Um, and I also noticed um, a different level of stress, right? Uh, downbeat stress, uh, much more than I do in the, uh, in the modern version. But I love, I obviously love the modern version as well. Mm-hmm. So here you go. Those are, those are just a little bit different. A little different. <laughs> yes, a little different. I like the style of the uh, period instruments and how mm-hmm. they're doing the stress release. I just think it's fascinating how they do that. Um, and, of course, I love the sound and drama of, of the modern instruments. Of course, the orchestral playing is just spectacular. And they're different instruments, but you could still do that with modern instruments. And it's helpful to know that that exists. I think. Yeah, I think the original one absolutely informs the style and the intention of the music. You know, I think that's, I think it's okay to try to lean that way to kind of preserve that. But we had, we have these advantages now with much better intonation, <laughs> right? The possibility of intonation exists, yes, right. you know, because of modern instruments and all that. But, but to still filter it through that musically, I think is a great idea. So yeah. but, using those examples, what are you calling attention to? So I'm for me, it's all about um, it's like it's Vacchiano rules, right? The stress release, where the notes are going, how you're, in, um, you know, one of my favorite phrases is meter has consequences for musical inflection. Mm. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> That's really good. That's good. Um, so like I think it's it's really important, and you know the the number of times I hear sort of this flatline musical expression or just playing driving through the end of a bar for mm. no apparent reason without an actual release. Um, and I think um, having a student aware of this, you know, stress release relationship, I think is is super important. It's what I talk about when I when I'll do the the Mozart uh, quintet as well. Um, I just have so many students who play really well, make a great sound, play in tune, play in time, and and then the music, even if they're doing dynamics and articulations and um, uh, the right. St- style as it were it's it feels so flatline to me yeah. in terms yeah. of musical relationship um if anybody knows the thurman book i mean bill does two things right in note grouping you do a note grouping that's idiomatic to the instrument which mm-hmm. i think is really fascinating but then mm-hmm. you also do a note grouping based on thurman you actually kn- knew thurman didn't you i had a colleague that knew thurman right. and yeah and knew his knew his book yeah. and really was a follower but yeah then my other my the other way i slice and dice things is based on music and agogic stress and like that that part of it not the trouble yeah. part of it yeah right yeah so yeah so those things i'm asking so joey do you have a cornetto i, I thought you 
You, Oddly enough, have you ever I know played it's one? shocking. I, I don't. No, but have you played one? No, I haven't played one. Now, what I might uh, be having soon is um, of a keyed bugle, you know, as we've talked oh. about Mr. Weidinger off and on for a while. Uh, Rick Serafinoff, one of our horn teachers here who also makes instruments, has made one and has asked me, hey, would you do the Haydn on this? Yes, I would. Wow, yeah. I have Let's messed around with it a little bit, and then he had to take it back to show it somewhere. But uh, I'll get right on that. Because I want to know if you had a cornetto, if you tried to play a double C on it. <laughs> no, but... Uh, <laughs> but I, you I, will. When I get that keyed bugle, I'll, I'll bring I'll it on the show. We'll make to. a video. We'll put it up on the website. <laughs> yeah. All right, what do you have, Joey? All right, What's I want to start with uh, the, the, the beauty and artistry of Marie Sandre. So mm. and and I think it's pretty easy. I'm gonna I'm gonna play uh, just the beginning of the first movement of the Telemann Concerto. This is like for for a lot of people the most treacherous like one minute, you know, two minutes yes. in, in trumpet, you know. <laughs> yes. Um, but here's what I want you to notice. I want you to notice not because I think what happens a lot when students listen to great trumpet players, or even when trumpet players listen to trumpet players, not just students, is we sit back and go, yeah, they sound great, <laughs> and 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 just sort of let it go at that. So I really want to call your attention on all three of these clips. And this is no offense to you personally, Bill. I want you to listen <laughs> for articulation here. Because what, oh, yes. what we're going to hear in the Telemann is not just the, the beauty of sound and line, but there are articulations, but it in no way gets in the way of the line or separates notes in any way. In fact, I believe makes the line work because of where and how it is being articulated. Mm. Right. So I just want to play just the beginning of this. So I want you to notice not just, yeah, he sounds great. Of course he sounds great. It's Marie Sandre. All those recordings sound amazing. Yeah. Listen to the articulation, just the ease and beauty, and there is just no strain at any point. So the tongue, again, the tongue's job is not to put those notes in place or make sure they go there. It's to give them that nice, just that nice, clean beginning that in fact shows you that line instead of just slurring through, which could be a little bit muddy. So here's mm -hmm. the beginning of the Telman. See what I'm talking about? Yeah, especially when he goes up to the uh, the D, the concert D, right? He's those those notes are so clear, clear, but in the front, the, but it's not hard at all. No, it's not popped and, at all. And yeah. the, so there, there's no there's no accent, there's no emphasis, yep. there's also no separation. Every one of those notes is long and completely connected to the note before and after it. Yeah. So let me say, if this is what articulation was, if this is what people did when you asked them to articulate, I wouldn't have a problem with it. <laughs> You'd be all in. <laughs> But I would be all in. 
this is an option in articulation. How about that? Right. Uh, too you know. many times, especially on the piccolo, which is why I wanted to start here. Right. Uh, you know, we, we hear it. Uh, there's the emphasis or it's hard. And then it's like, well, that's just not the line. That's not the music. That's not what's going on. Oh, so I should slur it. Well, no. No. No, because no, then I just get this kind of gooey line that isn't really that line. Right. Yeah, sure. Yet, this recording with him articulating doesn't sound like there's a snare drum duo Ex going right. on exactly yeah. so I, you know. that's one of the things i want to call attention to like even when you're talking about listening it's not just yeah it sounds great because i mean this is how i learned how to play piccolo i was well, listening to Brice andre going gosh i don't sound like that guy on the record right so he kept the, trying and kept trying here's the thing right like we have these things i think about, i'm always thinking about gordon matthew's book the trumpet teacher's guide right, right. so where, where gordon says if you want to work on double tonguing this is what you do and lists all the books and the pages and everything what a great resource for any teacher to have these five or ten recordings locked and loaded, right? Sure. To say, oh, when it comes time to talk about this, this is what specifically what you listen to, and this is why. Right? Sure. I'm going to talk That's about octave idea. slurs. Here it is. You want to talk about articulation on the piccolo? This is the definitive recording to understand how to do that. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. I mean, come on, Maurice. <laughs> I just played. I just. I just started a student on piccolo this past week, and we went right there. We, sure. did, we sat and did some listening. I'm like, this is what you need to know to start this. Yeah. You know. All right, what do you got for round one for know. us here, Bill? All right, round one for me, I'm going to go with a brass thing, like a full brass ensemble thing, right? So let me see if I can find. Uh... Huh. There we go. Where's my. Sorry. <laughs> oh, here we go. This calendar. <laughs> You want to see my that my was a calendar. digital calendar i was shocked you're welcome yeah uh so i'm going to jump in here in the middle of uh this is philip sparks uh dance movements wow. and and this is uh this is the movement called lento for the brasses and this is uh this is north texas wind symphony playing and um make sure that you guys got my sound here right where are we Good. So you can tell me if you can hear this. I'm just going to drop it in the middle of this movement. I think this is really fantastic brass ensemble playing within the within the band.
There we go. Far enough. Nice. So for me, this idea of sitting in the section and fitting all of the upper brass sounds and middle brass sounds into low brass sounds so that they blend together and that everyone stays grounded, I think this is a definitive recording. I also love the the style and the sustain that they achieve as a section, like playing through to the right side of the note and making sure everything's resonating the whole time. So, And it's just great music. I mean, Spark is it's fantastic writing. Well, what do you what do you guys hear in that? Do you think that's a worthwhile example? Well, the first thing I was thinking was that you play this for somebody for balance and tone color and people not sticking out, right? Mm -hmm. Blending within the sections. Does yeah. he do a special thing? Does he in rehearsals does he call attention to it? Does he say specific things to the players or does he just not let people, you know, I need less of that sound, you have to play softer. Everything you know? is about everything is about fitting your sound inside the sound of something else. Uh -huh. So, and, and in that band in particular, I mean, when you're surrounded by low brass playing like that, yeah, like sure. you, that's, that's the stuff that defines the way I think about playing the trumpet more than the trumpet playing on any of these recordings do, is that those tubas, euphoniums, and trombones, and the richness of that sound, and you can hear that horn section too, that's just dangerous yep. horn playing. I mean, it's fantastic. So when you're, his, his admonition all the time is to fit your sound inside the sound of the ensemble, and in particular, the low brass. Yeah, the, what stuck out to me, the the first word was, this is all about blend. Yep. Absolutely. It's just all about blend. Everything, it's the, the lushness of that <laughs> is is why you listen, so that when you go into whatever ensemble you play, and that you're not sitting there going, well, I'm playing my part right. Right, yeah. You know, that you do. You have to fit within your section. You have to fit with who else you're playing with everything's got to be one thing so that you get one sound out and that's one sound that's terrific one sound yeah that's and the terrific. horn i mean as good as everything is um and the low brass playing is <laughs> spectacular right but the horn playing oh, on that that horn section sounds great is killing yeah yeah that's great so that that that's just something oh, that I've I've used this in a variety of settings. I've used it in my brass ped class. I've used it in conducting classes, and and for just trumpet players to listen to to how to blend in a section, I think it's a great great example. Yeah, yeah. That's All right, round two, Brian. What do you got? Okay, so uh, one of my favorite singers in the world um, is uh, Cecilia Bartoli. Mm -hmm. um, so this is just a little recording of her. Um, let's see if I can do this. Uh, this is an uh, Rossini. Aria, um, non più mesta, um, which is uh, no more sadness. And it's the very last aria at the end of um, this Rossini opera. And um, I want you to note, I would ask a student to notice two things. It's You have to listen to the, all three minutes, um, three and a half minutes. Um, but I ask a student to notice a couple things. In the opening section, um, notice when the music slows down, how she gets back out of it, like what happens to her time coming back out of it and into the, into the next phrase. And then I want the student to notice um, in the fast section how clean and steady it is through all the melismas that she's doing um, and how beautifully accurate the time is. Um, when I was in Cleveland, when I was doing my master's in Cleveland, um, one summer I was doing a bunch of teaching at a bunch of different schools for um, just summer summer programs for a couple of my colleagues who were on vacation. And um, one of the weeks that I was doing the teaching, um, they were hosting, the Institute was hosting the Casada Sioux International Piano Competition. Um, and the first round was Mozart. Everybody had to play the same Mozart. And, um, you know, I'm used to pianists doing all of this rubato and stuff. And 
every player you could set a metronome to. It was kind of shocking just driving around. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, uh, you know, driving around my Corolla even then um, called white lightning. And um, it was <laughs> That's before you met us. Yes. Uh, and before um, the tan tank came yeah, into existence, tank, we'd been um, calling that the invisible car. Right. And so um, it's, a, it's amazing. So time, I think, and steady time and still making incredible musical lines, I think is super important. And, um, and I think it's, I think it's a great example of it. So um, it's you just have to, people just have to um, enjoy the three and a half minutes. vibrato yeah right. <laughs> wow yeah, it does a trill right into the vibrato wow <laughs> yeah, pretty outrageous yeah so i think it's amazing and i think that her attention to detail in the time i mean yeah it's just spectacular singing she got complete control over the instrument of course but how she negotiates the time and the 
just the absolute clarity of 16ths. Don't just set your metronome to it. And it's still spectacular. There's nothing boring about playing really great time. Yeah. I, I loved, I mean, this cliff is fantastic, right? So she's on the box, right on the podium and there's no conductor and this principal violinist is standing up. So there's this other level of communication that's going on there with the orchestra. That's incredible as well. Just from that perspective. That's, yeah. a, that's a great clip on a lot of levels. There's a um, uh, Barbara Hannigan doing, um, oh, it's uh, not Votsek. I'm, mm. I'm, just, I'm just blanking it, but there's a, well, maybe we'll post it. Um, we'll post the link. But she does a, this extremely complex uh, 20th century music while she's also conducting the ensemble. Mm. Oh, my. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Incredible. But that's yeah, great. watching that on YouTube, which you should go do, uh, as as the visual does inform how that's working, you can see the visual cues as well coming from her and yeah. from the the concert mm-hmm. mistress. Yeah, you can mm-hmm. see both of those things happening. Yeah, you know, cool. where everybody is staying. It's a chamber orchestra, so everybody's literally staying in contact. They're all on the same page because they are physically close together and and keeping in touch. But I love too is that the facility that is there, like for her, right? But the tone is always gorgeous. Yeah. Like her and clear as a bell. Yeah, it's so clear, and it doesn't matter what demands are being put on her in terms of how fast it's moving or high or how low it is. It is, yeah, it is clear as a bell the entire time. Yeah, that's, that's good. beautiful. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up time <laughs> because uh, my <laughs> next one here uh, deals with both time and again. I want to talk. Art- I want you to notice articulation. So. Am I, should I be taking offense to all your clips tonight or uh, is this listen, for aimed at me? If I were aiming at this, anyone, let's say, let's just call him Bill, for example. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I want you to notice because much like the words inform what, what Miss Bartley was, was singing there here, we're going to hear Clifford Brown. So you talk mm. about great time. You could set a metronome. Uh, yeah. This is Clifford, Clifford Brown and Max Roach. This is uh, one of my favorite tunes uh, that he recorded, Gertrude's Bounce. Just, I love it. It's adorable. It's cute. And he just kills. So I'd love to play the whole thing. It's long. But I'm just going to play his first improvised chorus. And what I want you to notice is, one, exactly what you're talking about. This time is rock solid, but in no way is boring. And then, yeah. two, notice the lines he's making and how he uses articulation, not just as a need-based, right? A lot of times you you can hear improvisers, uh, you say, well, I've got to do tongue there or it's not going to work. But what you hear <laughs> Clifford do is, hey, this is slurred, but then I'm going to, I'm going to bring this out. I'm going to bring this out here. I'm going to play right up against this rest. I'm going to play right through this. So I want you to notice, I'm just going to play the first chorus. So here's the first uh, improvised chorus from this tune. Mm-hmm. 
So I, wow. played both, I played both courses. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Why not? Well, right. we're glad you did. <laughs> right. But, but you hear what I'm talking about, right? So Max Roach is just laying down the time, and they're going. Wow. But you hear what he's able to do. I mean, he's right, just knocking down changes all the way through there. Yeah, but the, li the line, how the articulation works within that line. Because if you just had a transcription of this, if we just wrote it out, just gave you all the right notes in all the right order, mm -hmm. and then you played that, you would not be playing what he did. <laughs> right. 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 And this is way too often what happens with classical literature. We give you all the right notes in the right order because that's what happens, right? That's what you have to learn. Right. And so people come in and they play all the right notes in all the right order. And, and we're left as trumpet teachers saying, sure, but that's not it. Right. And so it's so, so much easier to show as, as, a, as an improviser. Uh, you know, you listen to that. And you could, if I gave you that transcription without listening to it, you don't know how it goes. Let's apply that to classical literature as well. Yeah. Without listening to it, you don't know how it goes. That's it. Bill, what's your, uh, what's your term operating the trumpet machine? Operating the trumpet machine. Yeah. No. Who cares? Yeah, right. you know, but I'm that sitting is spectacular there. Spectacular playing. Wow. Yeah, I, I'm listening to that going like, if you listen to that and really got listened to, detailed the way he managed the time, you would get better at playing top tones or Goldman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. right. This is why because, I think this is why I think it's all related. You, you know, we've talked totally about this related. all of all of the time. This, these are all the same thing to me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So exactly. this is. I remember being an undergrad, and, and I don't remember who said it. In fact, I, I could maybe credit George with this because it was pretty early in my career, and somebody somebody said to me, you know, and I, I could have been him that said, "There's two kinds of music in the world." And I was like, at first, I'm like, "What do they even mean by that? I don't even understand." And then it was like, "Yeah, good and bad." <laughs> like <laughs> that, that's it, right? There's two kinds of music in the world, and it doesn't matter what you like or what you like to listen to. Like you, you listen to that, and you know. Yeah. what side of the line that is on yeah. and that that just influences everything yeah that's like that's the equivalent of a bach cello suite right. absolutely like, right. <laughs> i mean right and the 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 acuity like just it's unbelievable it's beautiful lines Gosh. too it's not just notes no, no not Man. at all there, it's not it, just it, changes right no, it makes it's crafting sense. it's crafting a musical line yeah. over pre-existing changes i mean that's yeah. you know this is great improvisation of oh, i'm just going to write a new melody how about this <laughs> right? but like if you think like you could use that to point someone toward harmony you could use that for articulation and cr obviously for time and style right because that is absolutely just, oh my gosh yeah. they're yeah, wearing right. the same pair of shoes <laughs> nice. like you know yeah, that's amazing. That's beautiful. All right, Bill, where are you taking us now? All right, well, I'm, we're going to go somewhere completely different now. Um, so where we're going to go is the BBC Proms. Oh, yeah. And we're going to go Nicola Benedetti playing Korngold's mm -hmm. Marietta's lead from oh, beautiful. Die Totstadt, the Dead City. Um, and I actually then ended up having our director of bands transcribe this. This is on my last oh, album. Right. I recorded this. It's a beautiful setting for band and E-flat trumpet. Um, Unmute. There we go. We should be good to go, right? We should, the sound should be good. I think we're there. So I'm just going to drop in here just as part into the introduction of this. And I assign this for listening to line and pacing. And if you want to know how music should breathe, this is it.
Anyway, get the idea. Man. It's great playing, right? Like Gorgeous. The, the linear aspects of that and just the way that, like like the peak of that phrase when instead of just kind of rushing over the top, everything just kind of pulled back. I mean, that's the creativity involved in that. It's just phenomenal. Just feel the tension drain out of your body when yeah. you listen to that. Just like, oh, that is yeah. so nice. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know about you guys, but when you're teaching, do you often have uh, trouble getting students to take this kind of time and making a line happen? Of course. Yeah. Right? Everybody's... Sure. Everybody and, seems to be in a hurry. I mean, and the th the funny thing is, I mean, I, we didn't obviously we didn't plan this. We didn't know what anyone else was bringing tonight. But look at the effective nature of these these two really stark examples of Clifford, who's playing down Main Street time wise, yeah. right? Yes. And now this, where there is no pulse in the room, right? This is yeah. as liquid as it gets, and both are incredibly impactful. Oh, absolutely. I think no? she yeah. does actually play with really. She's got oh, it's a real integrity of time, and yeah, she it does expand and contract, but it's yeah. it's still there. And I think maybe sometimes people get lost in the fact that it can it gets so amorphous that they it just doesn't loses mm -hmm. its meaning. And I think she does still play with yeah, but I think that's an integrity of line that really drives that time, you know, because you're oh, right, yeah, sure, it, it's sure. there, but it's it's being where does the music go. Yeah. And we're going to make the time adhere to that rather than, okay, time is rigid and we're just not going to move. Right. So I do think it's built yeah. around the line of the music. Yeah, I think you and, might be right. Yeah. And thinking about that. something like Anesco that requires mm -hmm. this kind of fluidity, right? Or the beginning of the second movement of the Gillingham Sonata, right? Where, where, where there's this like, you have the ability to play within this thing. Keith always used to call Roboto uh, the honorable theft of time. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yes, exactly. right. So yeah, you could take it, but you got to put it back. But this idea, back. right? Yeah, that it's it's fluid, but you're going to move. But we're all going to agree to meet here at this particular time. And this kind of playing to me really kind of blows that wide open. So Joey, like you're saying, if someone is having a hard time realizing they can move that much, this is a great example. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, and the playing's phenomenal all the way around. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the orchestra's killing. Yeah, the whole band sounds great. The, the band's great. <laughs> yeah. All right, round three. Brian, what do you got? Well, you're still sharing your screen. Oh, sorry about that. Let me get rid of that for you. Okay, there we go. Okay, so um, we talk a lot about, you know, what to listen to, and um, and I think it's really important that we listen to lots of different things. And I've lost my... Oh, man. All right, I'm going to have to find it. Um, I have... Um, I have Artunian Concerto. And this is why you have to be very careful about which players you listen to. Um, and we're going to have to pause for a second because I, um, I'm going to play one recording that I love of, uh, of Artunian. Um, and, and then I'm going to play another recording of Artunian, which is great playing. And I don't think the way the piece goes um, by, a very, <laughs> by a very, very famous trumpet player. Um, and I won't, uh, I won't out them. I love this. <laughs> I won't out them. Um, so here's, here's the first recording. Actually, I, I'm probably not even sharing my screen yet. Um, so here's the first one.
All right, so that's Nikariakov playing Artunian. That's pretty good. It's pretty darn good. All right, here's the other recording by a very, very, very famous player. Um, and a just very famous player, great, great trumpet player. And I just, <laughs> I don't think this is how it goes. This is great trumpet playing. Okay. Well, so, so okay. that's where, that's where I am. So I think you should be very careful about who you listen to and how you listen. And I think you should get lots of ideas from outside the trumpet world, but be very careful inside the trumpet world. Mm. Okay, go ahead. Right. I, I, so let's be a little bit fair. One, the first one's the studio recording, and the second one's live. This is true, yes. And, and that that can make a difference in what we're hearing. But I think we want to listen for musically uh, where you think those lines go and how they're how they're driven. So yeah, this is why you have to listen to more than than one person. <laughs> one right. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes there are just sort of definitive recordings, and and they're that way for a reason. But that doesn't mean it's the only one you have to listen to. Right. So yeah, absolutely listen to. You know, if there are great players out there with recordings, give them all a shot, compare and contrast, and you can say, hey, I like this, but why would they choose to, um, well, maybe I could, you know, be discriminating. Absolutely, you know, be discerning in your, in your listening. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, think about learning learning a role in the theater, right? Like delivering a monologue, like a Shakespeare monologue or something. Like you're going to reference a whole bunch of people who are going to pace that differently and use different inflection and different timing and all that. It's the same... The same right. kind I mean, of is thing. it is it these pretzels are making me thirsty, or these mm -hmm. pretzels are making me thirsty? Right, and I'm out. What's that in the road <laughs> ahead? What's that in the road ahead? <laughs> nice. Yeah, the first exactly. one I think is right. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, it's, it makes a great case for knowing the style of the country from which your piece comes from. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, I I think yeah. it's really important to know the style that they're playing in in that country. Yeah. Make an informed musical decision. That's right. right. Yeah. Informed musicianship is that your term, Bill? That is. Yeah. It is. I I coined that term. Yeah. Hey, I think you Not invented really. that. I I may have invented it. Pretty sure. Yeah. All right, Joey. Okay. What do you got next? All right. So, so I want I want to do some large ensemble stuff here and big screen. Uh, so <laughs> what's that? What are, you, what are you doing? Why are you showing well, your, your desk? Your is giving me a headache. There we go. You know, you can clean that up. No, you can't. <laughs> so, uh, oh, wait, did I? I think I've shared the wrong. No, there's a right. If you here. right click, it just says clean up and then it'll do it. No, we're not doing it. 
I've got a system. To be. You know your desktop's a mess, right? I've got a system here. <laughs> you All should right. try a digital calendar. I should. <laughs> All right, so here's what we're doing. We're now going to the Count Basie band and Atomic Basie, which is one of those records oh, that yeah. if you're if you're a, a, a anybody yeah. who wants to play in a big band, especially if you're a lead trumpet player, this is a record you should just know. Right? So we're gonna hear we're gonna hear Snooky Young playing lead with the Count Basie band. This is the shout chorus out of Flight of the Foo Birds. Now here's what I want you noticing. Mm-hmm. Again, the time's great and the time of the band, but now he's this is how he's leading a large ensemble. So you've gotta be clear. Uh, of musical intent, clear. Of course, I want you to notice articulations here again, because especially in big band music, these things are not always notated well. They just write out the line and sometimes a big phrase mark. And well, do I just slur all that? No, probably not. Well, this has this. What do I do? Well, you kind of have to know. And how do you know? By listening. So you listen to Snooky and go, oh, okay, that's how it goes. Right. So, uh, so listen for the time. Listen for the clarity of of sound, the cl- the the center of pitch, and the clarity of articulations of where he's tonguing. Change of direction of lines right up against rests, and the length of those notes to make sure that the whole band knows exactly how this is going to go and can fit right with it. So here's "Flight of the Fubirds" shout chorus. <laughs> That's just cool. that's just a shout chorus out. Yeah, clinic is right. Right. So I mean, it's easy to listen to that and go. I mean, yeah, that sounds cool, right? <laughs> and it and it does. And I listen to that and giggle at just like uh, how cool yeah. that is. But when I'm playing that style, that's what I want to sound like. And there's more to it than just oh yeah, it, it's swing. Now, there's so much more in there. There's a fatness of sound. There's a direction in line. There's a clarity of articulation inside of lines to make sure it's going the right direction and turning at the right places. A length of notes against rests. A length of quarter notes at the end of phrases. All of that, whether you sh- you shouldn't be thinking about that while you're performing it, but you should be noticing it when you're listening so that you can integrate it so that you don't have to think about it in performances. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And and it would that, be super that, important to listen with the chart in front of you. Oh, absolutely. You, you want to have you want to have what the part those right actually in front of you. mean. Yeah. 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 Because it's again, this seen. is something where you know you read this, and you have all the right notes and all the right order in front of you, and play, it and you hear a high school band attempt this that's never listened to it, and they don't have a chance because they don't have they don't have they only have half the story by only having the chart in front of them. Right. 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 Yeah, but man. You listen to that enough, that that becomes internalized, right? That becomes a part Absolutely. of your, your, the way you think about music, which is yeah, really cool. I, I, I think I've told this before, uh, maybe either in private or in public, but I, I showed up to Birch Creek one summer, and uh, our <laughs> band leader pa- passed out the kid from Red Bank. And oh, he goes, oh, uh, I don't have the lead trumpet part. And I said, oh, we're fine. 
<laughs> and so I we, didn't we know that one. So we, so we yeah. played it down, and and my friend Lenny was. You guys know Lenny was sitting next yeah. to me. He goes, "Come on, man, seriously." I said, "It's on Atomic Bass. How do you, I mean? He could pull up anything off that whole album. I don't need the music for any of that. Be right all over there. it. Yeah. Wow, right? That That's just great. how much I've listened to it. I haven't played the chart in years. Yeah, but it's there. Yeah, yeah. Wow. All right, Bill, what do you got? I'm going to wrap us up here with another departure. Uh, this is going to be really, really You're going to wrap us up here by leaving? Uh, yeah, <laughs> why not? He's out. I'm a, and I'm out. So this oh uh, this is one of my favorite things to listen to. This is a Letterman show from years ago, and uh, I think Cher maybe was supposed to be on, and she canceled <laughs> at the last minute. So, of course, they just Paul Schaefer just calls his friend Mandy Patinkin from up the street, Mandy's, you know, yeah. Broadway, and he just comes down and he sings Over the Rainbow on the Letterman show, just walks in and does it. Who knows if they rehearsed or not, I don't know. But if you've got someone who's, like, making a good sound and doing all those things, but they just feel like they're locked up by the machine, right? There's no fluidity, and, and in particular, they're not really connected to melody, and, and especially for high notes, like, to think about as you go, you know, above the staff, just the clarion sound that you really need to make that happen. This clip, to me, and the way he sings this, I think is a really great example to give someone like an ideal for how that works. And we'll see if you guys agree with me or not, because this has very little to do with trumpet playing, except that it's really great musicking. So here you go. jumble and the raindrops tumble all around because Cher's not here. Heaven opens a magic lane when all the clouds darken up the skyway there's a rainbow highway to be found leading from your window pane to a place behind the sun just a step beyond the Somewhere over the rainbow, way up high, there's a land that I heard of once in a lullaby somewhere over the rainbow skies are blue and the dreams that you dare to dream really do come true someday i'll wish upon a star Wake up where the clouds are far behind me Where troubles melt like lemon drops Away above the chimney tops That's where you'll find me Somewhere over the rainbow Bluebirds fly Fly over the rainbow Why, then a why can't I So I'll stop it in, in hopes that you'll, you're intrigued enough to go listen to the rest of it because he kind of belts the, <laughs> the chorus the next time around. But 
I just think the facility and the lightness in his voice is worth paying attention to, to think about how he moves around up there and how easy it is for him. Yeah, and that's another reason to listen to singers, right? Because right. I think trumpet players get to a place of, well, I know this is hard, and so it always sounds hard. Right. <laughs> Where if singers are trying to communicate with words and it sounds labored, it just doesn't work at all. Where, where yeah. trumpet players will think, well, I mean, I got all the notes out, so it sounded good, right? No, it didn't. <laughs> right? <laughs> you, you, you lost everything along the way, right? And all of that, the lightness and, and, and float, uh, the line just floats. This is what we want, right? Mm -hmm. When we're playing, when we want to play that way, absolutely. Well, and the way he tapers out too at the ends of lines, and you could still hear his voice is just still resonating at the very end. I mean, it's just yeah. gorgeous, beautiful. I think you forced me to reconsider my hatred of Mandy Patinkin's singing. Oh, come on, man! <laughs> you that, got was a little, that was beautiful. It, it, listen to the rest of it. It's yeah. it's killing. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I must have caught him on a bad day. I, I heard something years ago, and I was like, oh, I can't listen to that. Really? Yeah. I years ago. It's been 25 years or something that I've, yeah, you know, looked down my trumpet lead pipe at him. <laughs> you have to give that another shot. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I have to go back and, you know, learn some more. But That's it's, really you know, pleasing. I, yeah, I think it's something, it's just one of those things, like it's another sort of a, a example that just kind of stretches your mind to think no that is possible he's still working within a time frame he's still working he's, he's singing the notes of the melody but the way and joey said the way he floats those things are just it's effortless imagine if you could lip slur like that in that register you know yeah he's not yeah. crescendoing to the upper note is he he's he's no he's floating, just to floating like bounce on yeah. its trampoline stuff you know he's he's singing the bottom note and just floating up over and the there's top there's no gravity there it's just yeah. floating and That's I've used beautiful. this example for a, for a long time with really great success to have people understand that you don't have to muscle up to play like that in that register, to right. sing like that in that register. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So I don't know. Hopefully these are some good examples, right? Like we're we're really branching out here, but we're we're being specific about what we're assigning. We're saying this is these are the specific things we're listening to, and you can find this, and these are the things that make up great music. Two kinds of music in the world. Good and bad. <laughs> good and bad. Absolutely. And all this all this stuff was good. Yeah, what a treat. All right. Yeah. All right, boys, time for no offense. If you're listening without a purpose, you're doing it wrong. It's not enough it's not enough just to say listen to this or throw it on in the background or as Brian said, put it on your iPhone, you know. It's that's not gonna be okay. That speaker doesn't work. No. Get yourself some great headphones, be intentional about why you're listening and really get inside the music. All right. This just happened this past weekend. I was in Best Buy as my youngest daughter. I'm normally the shoe parent when it comes to birthdays. Because mm. I'm like I'm always into the shoes as Brian yes, right. so, as I right. know. So now, my youngest, she was turning 17, and I, uh, we were talking shoes. There were some shoes, and she was talking some shoes, and then got up against her birthday and said, can we talk AirPods? Oh. And I said, well, we can have a discussion. Because she, she says, am I working the system if I've got some birthday money, I can buy the shoes, but AirPods are more expensive? I said, this sounds like a pretty good working of the system, and I'm the one being worked. I think you're doing a good job. Right. So we, we go over <laughs> to Best Buy, and uh, so we're going to go get the we're gonna go get the. Uh, AirPods, and I walked past, and I've been looking for some over-the-ear wireless headphones that I could also use plugged in, something that sounds really good, mm -hmm. right? Something like, mm -hmm. And I'd seen a couple, and they'd been pretty expensive, and I'd be keeping my eye on, and I walked past, and there's a sale there, 
and I actually called one of the people over. I said, is this right for this one? Because they were all kind of in different places. Right. And he picked up the headphones and went, doop, boop. Oh, yeah. Less than half the price. I'm like, okay, I'll be oh. taking these with me as we go. New headphones. What would you get? New headphones. They're no. these the JBLs I have on my head right oh, now. Oh, the JBLs, yeah. Oh, yes. Right? Yeah. They're they're wireless. You know, they're Bluetooth wireless, but they also can plug in, so I can use them for what we're doing right now, but also use them for listening. You know, yeah. they uh, they fit over the head yeah. crate. They sound dynamite, but they came down, so I'm like, oh, I'm totally buying these. Oh, these are amazing. So uh, yeah. she's like, seriously, headphones? Yes, yeah. headphones. They matter. You know, the quality of the headphones. Oh, it totally it, matters. It dictates exactly. the quality of what you're listening to. So for this stuff, I'm using the Sony studio monitors. Yeah. I, I mean, they're fantastic. But I have the Bose QC35s. Oh. Yep. With the those noise are, canceling. Those it, are really nice. It's exceptional. Yeah. I, I, can I have the good. first generation I, of those. As uh, Ferris Bueller said, I highly recommend it if you have the means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're out. I have the QC15s. Those got broken, but the 35s are they're, phenomenal. They're 20 better. Yeah. They are no. at least twenty better. <laughs> Son, Son Carter has the has the Bose uh, airline grade noise oh, yes. canceling with the headset yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, those are ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> it's phenomenal because well, they will noise cancel the jet engine. If you're flying yeah. around, you need that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Get yourself a good set of headphones. Yeah, mm-hmm. and make sure when you're listening, can, fifteen dollar thing. That's the ear only thing you're doing. Right. Otherwise, you're not listening. Yeah, you're not really, li- you're hearing, but, but you're not you're listening. Not oh my gosh, did you just quote White Men Can't Jump? I may have, <laughs> and I'm wow. out. That's one and of my wow. favorite favorite movies. <laughs> and we movie. are all out, because that's all the time we have, boys. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on yet another episode of Trumpet Goodness. Stay tuned, stay tuned, tell your friends, keep listening. It's so long for now. Remember to keep an open mind, but more importantly, an open bell. <laughs>